David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I am Elliot Harris, and we have another great show today. We have two Pro Football Hall of Fame wide receivers. One, Charlie Taylor, who played his career with the Washington Redskins. The other, Lance Allworth, who played his career with the San Diego Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys. First up, an interview David and I had with Charlie Taylor. You ready to get suited up for training camp? <laughs> hey, we wish. Right? One more time. Yeah, just one more time. <laughs> you grew up in Grand Prairie, Texas, and I, I know Grand Prairie is somewhat civilized nowadays. You know, it's between Dallas and Fort Worth, and there's a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, everything. Uh, yeah. What was it like growing up there, though? Because back then, I can't imagine it was quite the uh, metropolis that it is today. Uh, it, it was a little, little rough, but it was okay. We we survived. Yeah. Was there much there then? Uh, Yeah, yeah. We uh, at the LTV, which made air, you know, airplanes. Everybody was working, didn't have you know motors coming in after an hour, so everybody had jobs. So we made it okay. I see that your mother was a chef. What kind of food did she cook? Well, whatever she felt like it was like every day was either a roast or steaks or something, whatever she felt like bringing in, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was one thing with that job. She kept us there, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. You ended up, you ended up at Arizona State. Now, you grew up in an era where Southwest Conference football was pretty much a whites-only conference. Uh, yeah. Who, who were, who, who you did, did grambling? And some of the uh, historically well, I, everybody prayed for you. Everybody turned me down, man. All the high end of way I never going to see, but uh, I did, and uh, it worked out fine. Because uh, I really wanted to go to Prairie right now. You know, that's about school down in near Houston, but didn't get an answer back from from Coach Nick, so I ended up going. Actually, I went to USC. I enrolled at USC. That was the last two weeks, and one day I went to McKay's office, and I was like the 16th running back. Uh, I immediately called Frank Cush and asked him, was that deal still there? So he said, hey, catch the bus, we'll take. So I went back to Phoenix, that's how I ended up here. So who was the running back at uh, USC back then? Who was it? Jim Brown. That's when Jim was doing his thing, and... Yeah, well, yeah, we're just coming in after me, but, you know, we, we they had some runners, big guys. Matter of fact, we had some big guys here, J.W. Lockett, and, you know, this big brooding guys that would hurt you, would run over you. <laughs> what, what was your experience like at Arizona State? Because, 
Uh, I tell you what, it, it was great. You know, dealing with Frank. Frank hadn't gone, gone crazy yet. He was still, <laughs> and I said crazy, I mean, you know. He was just a tough guy. He had that Lombardi thing going, and he used it. And uh, we all knew he, it wasn't him because after practice, he he talked to you in a different voice, you know. Did he do but the on the field? On the field, you follow the ball or something like that. You had to do laps. Yeah. Did he do the bull ring when you were there? No, no. Well, yeah, a little bit, just a little bit, not a whole lot of it. Yeah. You ended up, you know. He, yeah. Go ahead. I said he, we had players, and he realized that, so he knew that wasn't really. Uh, it would just take us all day to get through practice and the meetings and stuff. He was a character. How did you handle the heat? I, obviously, you were growing up in the Grand Prix. Yeah. How did I have rain? How did I have rain? The heat. Well, one thing about Frank. Frank. Frank would never give you a hard time if you did the job, took your business, and, you know, play ball. And that's all you had to do, just go out and do your job. You didn't have to put up with all that. It was guys that... Uh, Probably realized they made a mistake by coming here because it was real tough and uh, not taking care of business. Yeah. Was it that hot down there that it was tough to practice? Oh, absolutely. Well, we practiced at night because it was so hot. But uh, the one thing that they did there, they, we had a, a training camp up in uh, Payson, Arizona, which is up in the mountains. I mean, it was freezing up there. I mean, we, it was days we had to work. Jack is on, you know, on practice because it was it was so cold up there, and we had springs all over the place, and the food was great, and it was just a great facility. You were, you were the number, you were the number three pick in the 1964 NFL draft. Yeah, were you aware that you were going to be drafted that high? I I I thought I had it was being wrapped up because I was. Definitely going to be a cowboy, yeah. Because Dallas was the only team that really talked to me. And uh, my roommate woke me up and said, Hey, man, come on, get up, get up. You've been drafted by the Redskins. I knew absolutely nothing about the Redskins. <laughs> I'm going, who? He said, the Redskins. And then uh, Gil Brent called me right after that. And, and what had happened, Dallas and the Redskins had the same record. They tied. And they flipped the coin, and Dallas lost. That's how I ended up going there to Washington, coming to Washington. Washington had just had their first black player, Bobby Mitchell, just prior to you. Did that a help? A year before, a year before, yeah, a year before. I, I mean, I, that wasn't known to me. I didn't know that, but I found out once I got here. Okay. Did that kind of help ease the transition to pro football, having Bobby as a teammate? It sort of speeded it up a little because we sort of did the same thing. And, you know, I got here and they put me as a, for two years, I was a running back. And then we fired the coach and they brought Otto Graham in and he switched me to a receiver. But having Bobby and Lady Moore way across, you know, down the road, I, I wore those guys years out, man. How do you do this? When do you do that? How do you, you know, this is a whole new learning, you know, experience. When but it, it worked out, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely did. When, when they 
moved you from running back to receiver? Did you wonder why are they doing this? I, I, I like it back here. I'm well, successful well, he with running back. He gave me a reason. We had two running backs here, Steve Thurlow and Joe Ryan Looney. He wanted to go with the big bull guys. So he said, we're going to put you outside because we got these two guys in here. And I understood that. You know, I, I can understand. Not to be getting the better. I just, you know, he was, he was happy. Because Bobby Be- Bobby Mitchell was originally a running back with the Browns in the backfield with Jim Brown, and they moved him to receiver. That's right. And then Leonard Moore, same thing with the with the yeah. Baltimore. You know, they moved him. So I had learned that. I was calling those guys every day. How do you do this, and what do you look for, and, you know. Did you play in the college all-star game in Soldier Field? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was your yeah. coach was your coach Otto Graham there too? I, he was Otto Graham, and then all of a sudden, two years later, he was my coach here at the because <laughs> he had called me lazy. I was a good, see, I was a good, uh, great talent, but I was lazy. I'm at practice first, and I leave first. I'm going, come on, coach. We're in Everston, Illinois. I'm from Texas. I knew nobody in Chicago and didn't know Chicago, so I ain't leaving no practice. He got crazy. But everything that was just something he thought he saw. You know. Well, you were named the most valuable in the game, so he, he must have seen yeah. something that he would have liked. Yeah, but for him to come out in the papers and tell him I was lazy and then the first one leaving practice and, you know. It's crazy. I mean, we in, in Chicago. I mean, who ran in Chicago? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. So when you know, where was I going? If I was leaving, we rode the bus to practice. Come on, it was it was wild. And then Frank, then Frank came to me. He wrote him a letter. Then Pete wrote him a letter. And then two years later, he was my coach at Head Washington. I'm going. How about that? But when, it, it worked that way. It when worked. did he, when did he call you lazy? Before the game or during the game or after? No, this is this is before the game. This is before the game. I probably wouldn't even play in the game had not uh, Tony Dog got hurt and uh, they needed we needed her back. So I just you know he sent me in you know. Yeah, but he he didn't last too long with the Redskins and then uh, no, Vince, no. Vince Lombardi came in for a year in '69. What was that playing was for Lombardi? Year. Oh man. You talking about a coach, man? I tell you what, I can see how those guys at Green Bay kind of loved him and kind of hated him a little bit because he was tough, man. But but he was also fair and he he knew what he was doing. He knew how to win and he would put together packages so he could win. That '64 draft, I think, was probably one of the greatest of all times. I'm looking at the Hall of Famers. You had Bob Boomer Brown, <laughs> you Carl Eller, Paul Warfield, Mel Renfro, Paul Krause. Dave Wilcox, uh, I'm, these names are incredible, and they're still. It was a few. It was a few guys. Yeah, it was a few guys. Yeah. Oh, Bob, I'm forgetting Bob Hayes, Bill Parcells, Roger Staubach, Leroy Kelly. Yeah. It was like a who's who. That was, that was a great year, man. It was, everybody was a superstar then. So. I, I hadn't noticed that until they started talking about it. You know, I heard guys talking about it. Whoa, that was a great bunch. And warmed off the way you did as a running back at at Ohio State ends up with the Browns and uh, later the Miami Dolphins is a a Hall of Fame receiver. So right, right. Well, actually, I thought I was going to play defensive back for now. Yeah, you know, he wanted me to play defense. So 
at the All-Star game, I remember covering Paul Warfield in practice, and you know what that was like. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I think that's why I don't got mad at him, because on one play, the ball was thrown, and I'm calling out step for step. Well, Paul didn't go for the ball, so I didn't go for the ball. You know, I run along the and I, the coach went crazy. He goes, go get the ball. I go, coach, you didn't go for it. You think I can make a play, you know? And, uh, was there any temptation? That, was there any temptation at ASU to become a professional baseball player? You know, when I played on third base, I was there with Jim Palmer and Rick, I mean, uh, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I played a little bit. We scrimmaged to L.A. and, uh, Frank Howard hit a ball off my knee, and Frank took me off the team. <laughs> He's going, no more baseball visa. <laughs> I played three games, and that was it. That was it. I heard that Reggie Jackson did not get along with Frank Cush because he didn't like to get hit in practice. He didn't want to be touched. Well, I tell you what, Reggie, Reggie was pretty fast, and he didn't get hit very often. He was scoring touchdowns there, Frank. Frank had that little thing about him. I mean, you scored three touchdowns, seven yards, and he called you, that, that ain't nothing, you know, I, I could do that. He, he'd blow it off, you know. Well, I go back out for spring ball, and Reggie had scored three times, and uh, Frank come over with that, that little scene, and Reggie just quit right then. That was his last game of football for, for Arizona State. Were you better at football? I, well, I, could, I could do both, you know. I would go home during the summer and play with my dad and I'm back in Texas and I did all right. Yeah. What was it like having Sonny Jurgensen as a quarterback? <laughs> uh the miracle man. Sonny was by far ahead of his ahead of his time. If the man could throw the ball either hand or behind his back. <laughs> he, he was a great guy to work with. How how did the Redskins change when George Allen came in as coach in seventy one? Well, you know, the year the boy that walked in, he learned, he taught us how, how to win. And then George come in and, you know, give us that little momentum to win, you know. And he just kept us, made us all one, you know. But we cared about each other and we looked out for each other. And, yeah. That's what George did. George always liked to bring veterans in. He liked the old guys because he felt, I think, that they knew the game better than the young guys. Yeah, less mistakes. And uh, when he was safe, talk to older, I mean, uh, you know, veteran guy, the guy knew what he was saying. Where rookies and first, second year guys, they had no idea. But uh, we use some, we use some rookies, you know, that play well. Now you also had another quarterback at Washington, a uh, guy by the name of Billy Tom. If he threw a spiral, I, I don't know if he ever threw a spiral, but he had a hell of a lot of completion. He, he, he threw one, two. Both of them were getting dollars. I couldn't believe it. I'm going down the sideline. I look back, the ball is taking off. I go, whoa, I got to go get this thing. And uh, actually, three, two, two spiral balls over 30 yards. <laughs> Ooh. But he was sick. He was but, successful. But he was tough, and he, you know, he, you do. So we just made an adjustment. Roy Jefferson and I, we just slowed down. Instead of going four steps in there, we go three. Because <laughs> the ball was either going to be late or early. Uh, normally, when the defense get to the ball, you know, it threw a collision ball. Yeah. What corner? He was a quarterback. So he was hurt. Yeah. What, what cornerback gave you the hardest time? Say again? What cornerback gave you the hardest time covering? Oh, Mel Renfro, Lynn Barney, 
those two guys went over tough. Mel Blunt, big guy, Kenny Houston, Satan were knocked you out, you know. All those guys, and I had to fight all those guys because they, they doubled me every weekend. So I just, yeah. What was Bobby doing? Bobby was catching balls. <laughs> <laughs> so they doubled you and Bobby got single coverage and caught the balls. Right, right. There you go. And then when they realized Bobby was killing them, then that opened me up a little bit. Yeah. Then you also had and another... We, Another good well, we receiver, had, Roy Jefferson. Yeah, well, we had a tight end in there, a poor kid named Jerry Smith, who, who my played with together in college. And uh, when they would double Bobby and myself, or Roy and myself, Jerry would he'd kill him. You know, he'd score four or five times. So that took a little pressure off. They had to cover him a little bit, yeah. What was Jerry Smith like as a teammate? It was great. It was great. And you know we lost him, but... He was a heck of a player. He was just he was a little light for tight end because he only weighed 215 or 217. But, but he was smart and knew how to get the block, yeah. When you guys made it to the Super Bowl, what was that experience like for you? The only thing that, that hurt us about it is that Sonny, Sonny was out. And uh, with Miami playing that zone, Billy had a problem, you know, finding, uh, finding an opening. And he, we threw a couple of others, and yeah. But to play, I, I ended up playing one and coaching four other ones, so, you know, I had my share. With the Redskins, did you did you see racial tension there when you were playing for them on the team? No, not really. No, no, no. I didn't realize they had a problem with it until I got here because all of our preseason games were down in North Carolina. Broad and places like that, and you know, in Virginia, and uh, they played Dixon before the game, and that blew my mind. I go to Bob and he, I, I would go to Bob and you know, and he would explain what, what was taking place, and that was just what there was. I had no, no idea. Well, when you joined the NFL, well, I guess Washington was about the uh, the most southern location in the league. Right, right, and, right, and and I think some of those people were still fighting this, fighting for the Confederacy at that point. I'm not sure. But, well, I'm not sure either. Just that uh, <laughs> it was a heck of ownership. I didn't realize that after we had gone and you know moved on, that uh, that was all part of it. Yeah. How did it? How did it change when George Preston Marshall basically gave up the team and Jack Kent Cook took Jack Kent Cook took over? Well, when, when, you know, when Mr. Cook took over, it was a whole different ball game. He, he wanted to win and he was, he was a, the right guy because he was at his best when we were, we were losing games. He'd come in and ask Joe Gibbs, what do you want? You know, and, and so we ended up, well, we need something, we got it. And he wasn't afraid he, to spend money on players. Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> But but he spent it wisely. He he was listen he was listening to everybody. He wouldn't just take Joe's word. He listened to the the personnel people and the assistant coach. He was listening to everybody. You got to play one year with probably the greatest defensive lineman in history, Deacon Jones, who passed away last year. What was Deacon like? Yeah. Oh man, Deacon was unreal. I mean, you talking about a, a guy who loved what he was doing and did it well better than anybody I've seen. 
Uh, he was just unreal. Fast for a big guy. He was a, a runner. He could do it. He, I, I don't think we'll see anybody play the game as well as he can play to do this. Now, I remember you as number 42, and the Redskins had a guy, number 43, a running back, Larry Brown. Oh, man. <laughs> which yeah, which yeah. one? Which one of you was a better running back? Oh, come on, now, you know. I, uh, <laughs> hey, I, I already got, got it together, but Larry was tough, and uh, he, he he did well. You also caught from a guy the name of Joe Theismann. <laughs> what was he like? <laughs> yeah. A young Hey, there's Yeah, I, I played two, a year, well, two years with Joe. Uh, Joe, Joe was a good, good player. Joe, Joe was just an athlete. You know, he, he could go out there, be it snowing, raining, or whatever. The ball never slipped out of his hand. He threw a tight spiral on it. He was just a great player, but he just talked too much. You know? He just, he, he, he just ran his mouth and, you know, veteran guys, you know, come on, let you be quiet, you know. It's because he's from Notre Dame. Those Notre Dame guys all talk. That's right, that's right. You know, I ain't going to share him up, man. So when Tony retired, Billy got out of here, and when Joe started playing, I played uh, two years with him, and we, he, he threw a strong ball. Yeah. Did you ever have to go up against Sam Huff in practice? All the time. Sam, Sam taught me how to play the game. Sam taught me how to, from a, from a running back spot, how to the linebackers would take shots at you going across, you know, when you ran across the you know, A and B circle type thing. So uh, he didn't tell me he was coming for me until he knocked me out. Then I had to knock him out. <laughs> Sam's still talking about that hit he put on Jim Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he came up the time he beat Jim Brown. Sam, he's a tough guy. God bless him, yeah. <laughs> Is there one reception that you made in your career that stands out? Other than the championship team against the Cowboys that killed me, like I said, through the through a spiral of thirty five yards. I couldn't believe it. And we it was right on the money, right great great talent I mean great, you know, air under the ball. I just ran on the thing and we scored and beat them twenty six to three. So you retire and then you become a coach and the Redskins start winning Super Bowls. Was it because of you coaching or Joe Gibbs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least, at least we got we got to play in the Super Bowl. That's when my man was sixteen years old, you know. But I mean, you started was, coaching those receivers, and I mean, you had some great ones at Art Monk. Oh man, I had some. Oh God, guys made it easy, easy to work with because you know their, their job was just catch the ball. That's all I had to do was catch the ball, and we were work on the rest of it. We could we could correct the rest of it now. The only guy I had no problem with was uh, Desmond Howard. You know, he come with me in here, and uh, he just it took him a couple of years to learn how to make that step, you know, up higher, make, get, getting a different level. And uh, good for him. He went to Green Bay and MVP of the Super Bowl. Great for him. When Joe Gibbs came to you to be uh, on his coaching staff, did it take much time to? Uh... To make a decision? Well, I talked with Bobby Becker, you know, the year before, you know, and I wouldn't mind, you know, if if Joe, if I can get together with Joe, to be, because they had that, that 
running shoot off or anything. I knew they were running somebody. And like I said, I got along with you guys, and you just have to be truthful with the, the players. You, and that's what I would. I, I would not pull in anything. Hey, either you did it right or you did it wrong. One thing. And we corrected if you did wrong and keep on moving. How special was it when Doug Williams won that Super Bowl for you guys? Oh, man. Doug, Doug is a tough guy because he had been in the hospital that night. For, well, he had a tooth, something, something with his. He went to the dentist, the hospital, and, and uh, he came by and played the next day. Outstanding. And, uh, and a guy, I just love him. And you got, you got three or four guys. You got Ricky Sanders, Gary Clark, and Art Monk, Charlie Brown. And they would, they would call the wrong play, but they knew where he was going, trying to call. Cause they could read the signs, you know. And they would line up for saving him several times. But, but they, that, that was a heck of a bunch. That was a heck of a bunch. What was it like when you were chosen for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Oh man. I couldn't believe it. And of all the people that called me, Bobby Mitchell was the guy who called me. I'm going, you gotta be kidding. I mean, I, I knew I did fairly good, but I, I had no idea I was up the next, had made that step and to be inducted into the hall. I felt, oh man. I felt I had to be pretty good to, to be with these guys. And then there's Paul Warfield. And, and, and Paul Krause, you know, we all right. <laughs> we just stayed together, you know, as well. Do you think football is getting better today than it was when you played or worse? Well, you know, the players, man, so many injuries out there and nowadays. You can't, can't just bull them like, cause we, we were, we were, we were like bullet. <laughs> we played, you, the harder it was, the more you played. And the less water they had to drink, but so you had to tighten up, uh, find a way to get ice cubes on the field. But that's what we did. We took care of that. But uh, I think the Angels did nice because they they changing them. And um, the average guy can can make the team if he's tough enough or dedicated enough. So I, you know, I just don't want to get any any less contact. They do, and the game's going to change completely. Can you imagine how many receptions you would have made in a season or in a career if you played in an era like uh, today's NFL? Oh, man, that was my, my last wish for Bobby. And he said, Charlie, you don't want to do it, man. Because he, he almost said, well, come on back. That's when they changed the rules. They couldn't touch you after five yards. Yeah. But I just want to play, you know, two games or three games, you know, to see how that feels. Because when I played, they they knock you down to try and swim. <laughs> but um, it's just. The game, the game is the game, and uh, people still love it, and there's enough contact now. You just got to be careful how you hit a guy and when you hit him. What I don't get is why Bobby Mitchell never became the GM of the Redskins. Well, he was sort of assistant GM, hit a personnel. He, 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 he did a good job. Bobby did a good job. He managed the team on the road. He did a lot. Yeah, that was the toughest part. Getting everybody, you know, then they gave you a per diem and the meals and all that stuff. So Bobby handled all that stuff. Now, you've been married almost 50 years. I want to know what, what the secret to your success is. Uh, the lady's always right. 
has made a secret there, just give it in. Say, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> we do need this. Yeah. Your wife's always right, and at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Larry Little's always right. That's right, you're right. That's right. What's this deacon out there? Somebody got it. Somebody had to take over. And Bobby Real, he trucked the out, so. I know, a lot of, the next I know a lot of the players were upset at the uh, Ray Nitschke luncheon that they were mentioning Ray Nitschke, but they didn't mention Deacon Jones and all his contributions. Right, right. Yeah, but I kind of kind of me back a little bit also. But, you know, that, everybody's getting excited and don't want to forget anybody, and that's when you really do that, you know. So, but, but, you know, the 109 guys that were there, we... we we straightened that out and took care of it and back on back to the school yeah. What do you think of this year's class? Oh man. Big guy. Curly Cup, I, I was there on safety year he came out there, you know. And uh then Andre Andre I, I was so happy for him because he he was gonna he was gonna lose his mind had he not made <laughs> He's the character there. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Charlie Taylor. After this brief break, we will be back with Lance Allworth. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm. 